Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. The Bible tells us this when it comes to living for an audience of one. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And Paul basically says, look, when it comes to who you're supposed to be living for and who you're supposed to get your value from, it's meant to be God. It's not to be meant to be what your mother thinks of you, your father thinks of you, and that puts, you know that puts a lot of pressure on you. It's not meant to be your neighbors, strangers that you see in grocery stores, that we shouldn't be affected by other people's opinions if we're truly living for an audience of one. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Every family goes through highs and lows. The list of challenges are endless. Often, it can seem as though there is no way through, but that is not what God has for you. He wants your family to thrive. He wants you to marry well and to be content in that marriage. He wants you to love your spouse as Christ loved the church and to raise your children up in the Lord. Even though God wants these things for us, it can still be difficult to know how our families can become all they are capable of being. In this sermon series, we will hear about the vision God has for our families and what it will take to experience it. Please enjoy the message. We're in a sermon series entitled This Is Us, and the TV show This Is Us is a show that uh, revolves around multiple families, the generations in those families, grandparents, you have parents, and you have singles, and you have children, and all of the tensions that exist within that and overcoming those challenges. And my hope is today, as we specifically hone more in on the women and mothers in our congregation, um, but really for all of us, that we would be able to be better equipped to go out of here and handle some of the challenges that we face. I recently came across a story that was written uh, by an infant to his mother. And so just, this is a fictitious story because infants can't write letters. Just, just want to say that. Should be said, it's humorous. It's meant to be funny. Last service didn't laugh at all, but I, I have hope. High hopes for you. High hopes. Okay. So his son writes this to his mother after a hard night of her taking care of him. Uh, Look, Mom. I can tell from the way you haven't looked at me in the eyes since fetching me from my crib well before dawn that you're upset about last night. Waking up every 45 minutes isn't easy for me either. In my defense, my blanket really did come off. I was thirsty and there was at least one nightmare. I knew I was in a strange house in this nightmare because the dishes were done and your hair wasn't everywhere. I can't remember the other reasons I kept waking up, but I'm sure they were equally valid. I do want to thank you for bringing back the 3 a.m. milk that you worked so hard to get me off of. It was delicious and instrumental in me waking up at 4 a.m. in urine. You seem tired and short-tempered this morning, which is why I felt more comfortable writing this letter to you instead of talking face-to-face. Can I get you anything? A cup of coffee? While you're up, would you please bring me some unbroken crackers? Oh, that's right. We don't have crackers. Really, why would you stock the house with my favorite foods anyway? But I'm sure we have two kinds of wines, though. Anyway, I want to thank you for changing my pajamas and throwing down that towel on my pee-pee sheets. I noticed that you didn't open your eyes once. That's kind of weird, but it's also okay that you didn't actually change my sheets. I felt, I find that the faint smell of ammonia is quite comforting to me. (laughs) You know, sometimes love means doing things halfway. I mean, I know another mama or grandmother might have done it differently, but you just do you. 
There is something I did want to discuss now that I have your attention. It's none of my business what goes on between you and Father after I go to bed, but if you could just throw on a robe before coming into my room, that'd be awesome. You should rock what you got. But angry, nude, lumbering zombie woman just isn't your best look. It's also, I feel like this is a good time to reintroduce co-sleeping. I can't promise I won't judo kick you in the face like I used to, but at least one of us will get a good night's sleep, and isn't that what matters? Anyway, I hope this note brings you some comfort. Love and hugs, HT. (laughs) Yeah, I love that letter. Um, In some ways, it's fictitious. In some ways, there's some for sure realities to it. But it does speak to the challenges that women face, speaks to the challenges that mothers face. Proverbs says this, an excellent wife who can find. Another translation says a wife of noble character who can find. Another translation says a good woman is hard to find. And why is that? Because it's hard to be a woman and it's hard to be a mother. And I hope that if nothing else out of the sermon today that the women in this room, you feel encouraged, you feel some empathy or sympathy towards the situations that you're in as you're attempting to raise young families, as maybe you're attempting to maybe even raise grandchildren or pour into grandchildren or connect with your children as they're getting older, teenagers or even beyond that. Um, We want you to be encouraged. And, And as I was reading this past week, I found that there are just some challenges that women face that I was in many, many ways, completely oblivious to, or at the very least had like a slight, tu- I was slightly in touch with. One of the challenges that women face from our culture today is that you are very underappreciated. There's a website that actually, uh, there's a website that's called salary.com, and it actually put together what a stay-at-home mother salary ought to be. And then it also offered a salary for mothers who have to work as well. So, Just so you know that we know you are underappreciated and undervalued, a stay-at-home mom, according to this website, salary is $162,581. That is amazing. That is incredible. They factored in the fact that you have to educate the children. You have to, uh, you're a nurse. You're an interior designer. um, You're, you know, you're, you're some sort of executive as you're managing the house. And then if you're a working mother, you naturally have to delegate some of those responsibilities, but your salary is still at $94,491 plus whatever your job wage is in equivalent terms today because it is because of the value that you bring to the home and the numerous responsibilities that you have in the home. Now, this really sunk in for me as I was reading a art- couple of articles and, and a person in one of those articles made the point, and he said, the person in the article made the point that um, many employers today do not fully appreciate how much work a mother does. And, and he made this contrast that helped me to understand this. What was said was, imagine that you have a mother that's an employee of yours. They work 30 to 40 hours doing whatever job you have them to do. And imagine they do a good job at that, okay? They also are responsible for packing lunches, making sure kids get in school on time, making sure kids get picked up on time, making sure kids get to extracurricular activities, making sure that they have all the, the, the supplies that they need for extracurricular activities, making sure dinner's done, making sure homework's done, making sure showers are taken, and making sure the kids get into bed on time. Now, naturally, there are fathers of us, fathers here, those of us who help with these things, but honestly, I just do what my wife tells me to do. Or asked me to do. So she's still managing and is completely responsible for all of those things that are happening in our house. Now, some of you have women who work for you that have children. And so they're doing the job and they have all of that as well. Monday through Friday, that's all their responsibilities. Here's the issue with our culture today. 
Imagine you have somebody else, male or female, whoever, but they don't have kids. They do the same exact job, same amount of hours at the same level of production. But they train for six months and they run a marathon. Who do we admire more? Well, sadly, most of us admire the marathoner more. But who has the harder job? Well, it's the mom. She has more responsibilities, more stress, and uh, significantly more put on her plate than somebody who, without the children, who's running a marathon. Now, that's quite an accomplishment, but the reality is we undervalue women, and specifically mothers, with these children that they're trying to raise up and are responsible for in our culture today. Some of it's just an issue of familiarity, but we should be transitioning from this and recognizing that this is a real issue. So women in our society, they're often undervalued. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85 Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. A woman will want to do more. Here's another challenge women face is that you have this intrinsic thing inside of you where you just want to do more than you can. I was reading an article that's written by this woman. Her name's Anne-Marie Slaughter. Now, Anne-Marie Slaughter is a professor at Princeton, but, before, but she had left that post or she took a leave for two years and she was a part of the Obama administration. She's a Democratic, she's a Democrat, she's fought for women's rights and equal pay and a variety of other um, what would be considered feminist uh, issues uh, through the course of her life and even to this day. But she developed a great tension in her life as she was serving in the Obama administration, attempting to do this, this job that she had always dreamed of doing and then also raise two teenagers at the same time. She would leave home Monday mornings, she would get back to home on Friday nights because that's just what the job demanded. And it was the job that she always wanted. But she also wanted to be a great mom too. And what she came to find out was it was impossible to do both. And she wrote an article that said, why women still can't have it all. And she wasn't talking about how women were being oppressed. She was just saying, there just comes a point where you just can't do everything and you have to remain flexible. This is what she wrote in this article that she said after she had left her post in the Obama administration after two years. I want to read it to you, so it's a little long, but hang with me. I was increasingly aware that the feminist beliefs on which I had built my entire career were shifting under my feet. I had always assumed that if I could get a foreign policy job in the State Department or White House my, with my party in power, I would stay the course as long as, the, as, long as um, I had the opportunity to do the work I loved. But in January 2011... When my public service came to an end, I hurried home as fast as I could. A rude epiphany unfortunately hit me as soon as I got there. When people asked why I left the government, I explained that I'd come home 
not only because of Princeton's rules, which she could have lost her tenure there, she still would have been allowed to be a professor, she just wouldn't have had the tenure. She said, I didn't come home just because of that, but also because of my desire to be a great mom and to be with my family. And I concluded that juggling a high-level government job with two teenage boys was just not possible. I routinely got the reactions from other women my age and older that ranged from disappointment, they would say things like, it's such a pity that you have to leave Washington, to condescending. They said, I wouldn't generalize from your experience. I've never had to compromise what I was doing. The first set of reactions, Mrs. Slaughter said, were bothered her because there was this underlying assumption that my choice was somehow sad or unfortunate. She said, that was irksome. But it was the second set of reactions, those implying that my parenting or my commitment to my profession was substandard, that triggered a blind fury in me. She says quite a bit more in this article, but she concludes it with this statement. The minute I found myself in a job that required long hours, I could no longer be both the parent and the professional I wanted to be. I realized what should have perhaps been obvious. Having it all, at least for me, depended almost entirely on the type of job I had. A less demanding one was necessary. The hardest truth of all to accept was that having it all was not possible in many types of jobs, especially high government offices that are your dream job. And that's just an incredible, those are incredible words uh, from this woman. As she said, and as she documented this experience that she had. Now, she's not saying that it wouldn't ever be possible. She was just saying in that particular season, it wasn't going to be able to be something that she would be able to do at the level that she wanted to do it. And many of you feel that same tension. That you're a mom who works, and you have kids, and you're struggling with that tension because you want to spend more time with your kids, but you have to work. And that's a reality, especially in Denver today, with the cost of living. It's hard to have just one parent not working. And so you have to work, and you struggle with that tension, and you're figuring out how do you make the best out of that. Or you have career opportunities and promotion opportunities, and you've got these things in front of you, but you also have children that you're trying to pour into, and you're sort of there's this tension you're trying to navigate. Do I pursue my career, or do I put that on hold and pour into my kids the way that I need to? And there's a tension there. And then there's other tensions with parents that are able to stay at home, and you're a stay-at-home mom, but you want to have money to support um, your, your husband, you want, to have, you want to support the family financially, and there's a tension that is there, and you want to do it all. It's just part of being a woman. Unfortunately, you just can't. None of us can. Another challenge that women face is that you're taught that your value is associated with your appearance. I was reading some women magazines this week for the sermon. <laughs> just clarify that, because I don't normally do that. Some of the headlines were how to get summer sexy in seven steps, how to have Cosmo hair, how to flaunt your hottest feature. And there were many others beyond those that pointed towards you need to draw your value from your appearance. That women are constantly bombarded with that message again and again and again, even at a very young age. Here's another magazine that was from a few years ago. It has Michelle Pfeiffer on the cover. It's a beautiful picture of her, um, very well taken. And the question that they ask on the front page is, what Michelle Pfeiffer needs? And then into page 118, it says, absolutely nothing. Come to find out, though, she did need something. It's called Photoshop. A journalist was doing some research, and he came to find out that there was quite a bit of work that was done on this photo to present this image of her to the tune of $1,525. And some of the things that they did 
included this. Clean up her complexion, soften eye lines, soften smile line, add color to lips, trim chin, remove neckline, soften lines under earlobes, add highlights to earrings, add blush to cheek, clean up neckline, remove stray hair strands on dress, adjust color and add hair on top of head, add, add dress on side to create better line, add forehead. I have no idea why anybody would want to add forehead, but I mean, that costs at least $100, I'm sure. <laughs> add dress on shoulders, uh, soften neck muscles a bit, clean up and smooth dress folds under arm. I mean, it's just unfortunate that even that this message gets communicated to so much of our culture that your value is associated with your appearance, but so many of the, so many of the appearances being communicated to you aren't even realistic. I mean, they're being doctored at best. It's so, so, uh, so incredibly sad. And that is true of women, um, that the pressure put on you to, to get back to your pre-baby once you give birth to a child or once to get back as soon as you can to your uh, pre-pregnancy weight, like in 30 to 45 days, like that is so impossible to do without special trainers and nannies and all kinds of other stuff. And it's just, it's just odd and it's strange and that's the society we live in and it shouldn't be that way. And so what are, the, what are our responses to these challenges? For men, for women, for mothers, for uh, non-mothers, and for all of us, some great lessons for us to live by, in my opinion, for our family. Number one is this, is to live for an audience of one. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the Give tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 1030 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. The Bible tells us this when it comes to living for an audience of one. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And Paul basically says, look, when it comes to who you're supposed to be living for and who you're supposed to get your value from, it's meant to be God. It's not to be meant to be what your mother thinks of you, your father thinks of you, and that puts, you know that puts a lot of pressure on you. It's not meant to be your neighbors, strangers that you see in grocery stores, that we shouldn't be affected by other people's opinions if we're truly living for an audience of one. But often we'll compare ourselves to other people. And we shouldn't do that either. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Like, it's just not wise for a mother who's having her fourth kid to compare herself 
to a mother who just had her first kid. It's just like totally different worlds, all right? And But what happens is we compare ourselves with ourselves and we start to feel bad and awful because of that. But you're not living for those other people. You got to live for an audience of one. And our relationship, and here's, the, here's where this becomes so significant for us, is our relationship with God, is it based on what you do? No. It's based on what Jesus has done for us. And he reached out to us. And through that, we find value. And these types of statements right here should resonate with us, should resonate with some of you. That God doesn't think less of you if your kids misbehave in public. If you're living for an audience of one, now you might, if you're living for other people, like you're just going to be tore up if you have little kids because they're just going to do that in public. But God doesn't think less of you if your kid misbehaves in public. God doesn't think less of you or love you less if you go to bed with dirty dishes in the kitchen. So I'll throw those words on there because that'd be weird to go to bed with dirty dishes. I mean, that's strange. You know what I'm saying. So in the kitchen. God doesn't think less of you if you decide you're going to fix a frozen pizza for dinner. God doesn't think less of you if you wear sweatpants and no makeup out in public. God doesn't think less of you if your house is painted in last year's colors or you're wearing last year's clothes. If you do any of these things, does Jesus become less of a savior for you? No, of course not. And that's the value of living for an audience of one. Because we all ought to get better and we ought to try to get better, but you know what? There's just days when you need to cook a pizza and you need to, you know, you can't do all of the dishes. And it's unfortunate, but that stuff happens. It's part of life. Another thing that we ought to do, that we ought to remember is this, is that we need to be flexible with your seasons of life. If there are just some seasons where you're going to focus on some things and then there are other seasons where you're going to focus on other things. So important for all of us. There was a band that uh, wrote a song about this called Turn, Turn, Turn. The band's name is The Birds. I did research on this. There really was a band named The Birds, and, uh, and this is them right here. Eons ago in 1965, I'm just having, I got to have some fun. Come on, eon, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, they wrote a song that was actually a ripoff of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. They just put some good music to it. It became an international hit. They didn't give God, uh, I doubt they gave God any royalties, but Ecclesiastes 3, they, put a, they, wrote, they wrote a song about these words that were written there in this passage of scripture. It says this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. A time to build up your career. A time to maybe focus more on raising your kids. A time to get really healthy and a time when you just realize, I'm not going to be able to spend as much time at the gym as I used to. We've got to be flexible with the seasons of life. Coming back to Anne-Marie Slaughter, there was a quote that she shared in that article that specifically spoke to professional women. And many of you are that. And those of you who have kids, or maybe you will have kids one day, 
Maybe it'll resonate with some of her words. She says this, before she wrote, before I, I read this to you, she basically says that there needs to be a transition in the success curve um, from what it is to what it is now in our world today. She says, we live by a 1950 success curve that has everybody retiring in their mid 60s and you get kids at a certain age and, and she goes through a few different variables. But she says, all of that needs to change and the women need to accept it and men need to accept it as well too. She says this, assuming the priceless gifts of good health and good fortune, a professional woman can thus expect her working life to stretch some 50 years from her early to mid 20s to her mid 70s. It is reasonable to assume that she will build her credentials and establish herself between 22 and 35. She will have children sometime between 25 and 45. She'll want to maximize flexibility and control over her time in the 10 years that her children are eight to 18. She says that because there's just gonna be a season there where you're really, you're, the time with your kids is gonna to come to an end and she's like, and she's saying, you're not gonna be able to, the best thing in her opinion, again, this is her opinion, is to focus on the kids during that season and not as much on the career during those years. She goes on, women who have children, To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.